You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 216. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 216. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, baby cakes. Well, hello, beautiful girl. Are you ready to talk to the audience? I am ready to talk to the audience. But are they ready to talk to us? That's the question. That is the question of the hour. Well, hey, guys, and thank you so much for hanging out with us. This is going to be a very different version of the Joy Junkie show than we have ever done before. Mm -hmm. I am really excited to introduce you to two of my genius colleagues that I have the pleasure of hanging out with all the time and doing incredible business together. Uh, Kira Sabin, who is the head honcho and troop leader of love. Go oh, Kira. Go, go Kira. Kira. And go she Kira. is the boss lady over at leagueofadventurousingles.com. And she works with single women who are hungry for love, wanting to manifest that in their worlds. She is really incredible at how we learn to love, our love language, and you'll hear a little bit about that in this episode that we're about to share with you. Cool. And I was also joined by my very, very best friend in the entire world, Andrea Owen, who is the chief badass over at Your Kick-Ass Life Com. And she is fiercely passionate about empowering women to truly value themselves and love who they, who they are. So, of course, we get along quite well as a triad. And as always, you can find those links in the show notes for this episode. And I, I jumped on a line with the two of them, and we kind of shot the shit about the three major topics that we're discussing at our conference in October, our oh, yeah. Tanning Tacos and Transformation, Transformation conference that we're doing in Huntington Beach. And we have availability still, and you have the opportunity to still get in at a savings before we increase the price, and you can do a payment plan as well. So you'll hear us talk about it. But what we really wanted to do was share our journey, our our personal journey of how the three of us have dealt with our own inner critic, the changes we've seen in our own confidence, and how we've ebbed and flowed with our communication. So I'm really excited to share this with you guys because I think it'll give you kind of an insider scoop and three totally different perspectives about the exact same topic, which is kind of rad. Nice. So I, I had That's to, great. I had to kick Mr. Getting Smith out of the... Joy Junkie Studios. It's ladies' night. Yeah, it was ladies' night in the in JJ <laughs> Studios, and uh, but I thought, of course, we have to do an intro, and we have to do Mr. Smith's legendary "Would You Rather" segment. So let's cue. What's it called? <laughs> the music. Yeah, but it's not music. Jingle. Jingle. Let's cue the jingle. 
Would you rather? Today's would you rather is, would you rather have the ability to control fire or control water? Whoa. Well, gosh. Well, it's interesting because in California, I feel like there's always fucking fires. Yes. And I could be a hero. You totally could. Because I could control the fire. Uh, but also but you, in California, we have no water. But you could also control water and put it on the fire. I know. There's so many options here. <laughs> I, I water's more versatile. But, I'm a water sign, so of course I say that. But I think water is... <laughs> Was that, too, was that too new agey for you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I'm a Scorpio. What are you going to do? Oh, my God. Well, so so you feel, why do you think water is more versatile? Uh, because you can put fire out with it. You could stop dams from <laughs> you busting. You so confident about your answer. I have thought about this a lot. It's not fair that you get to see them. I think about this all week, oh. and I finally get to share. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, what else you got there, Smith? <laughs> well, I just think it would be like you could do some fucking biblical shit. <laughs> like parting water. Come on. <laughs> what has fire done? Fire and brimstone? Well, fire in the burning bush. Burn- uh, he talk- One b- bush. One bush That's all versus you get. the entire versus sea. Versus enti- separating the sea. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Come wow. on. Wow. I'm going to get Moses on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> wow i i don't know what i would pay i guess i i don't know i don't feel as invested in this one as i normally am how dare you i think i would go with i think i'm with you though water's pretty intense and i got a good argument but with global warming and stuff too i think it would be really advantageous to control water yeah and i would probably try to get more over to california so that we're not always in a damn drought and that people don't feel like they have to move to North Carolina in order cool to if have water. Like take seawater and turn it into drinking water. We can do it. That's what cruise ships do. It's just really expensive. Well, I'm saying that if you had the power to do it. What is that? It's called like desalinization or something. Desalinization. Wow. Wow. Look We've at the ri- big brain on Amy. Check out the big brain on Brad. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. We've really gone rogue. Okay. Darling, you can actually leave all that in. <laughs> <laughs> And this part, too. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Darlene's my amazing, amazing editor. She's fantastic. All right. So I think we've fucked around long enough. We can let them Let's get to the ladies' night already. All right. I hope you guys enjoy. Here you go. Enjoy, everyone. You guys, I'm so excited to have you hanging out with me on the pod. Woohoo! Woo! Yeah, I love to I love to say that my podcast model does not support guests unless unless it's my <laughs> That's best friend. That's the best way of saying it. <laughs> um, it's my show. Yeah, and it's a no nonsense show. Nonsense show. Hello. Uh, yeah, no. I I obviously, if you guys hang out with us on the pod often, you know that I don't typically have guests, but we have a very unique situation happening. And I wanted to give the audience, as we like to call them around here, I wanted to give them the opportunity to get to know you two a little bit because they've been hearing me go off about our conference that we're doing at the beach, hello, in Southern California in October. 
And I thought it'd be kind of cool for them to get to know you guys a little bit better and hear about some of the transformation and the stuff that we're talking about in October. So thank you guys for being here. Yeah, so if you have had the chance to cruise over to tripletconference.com, you'll know that we're covering off three major topics that we have found extremely pervasive in the self-help world, things that we truly feel unlock that happiness code, right? Like that's what everybody's always asking. How do I be happy? I just want to be fucking happy. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot that oftentimes people are always searching outside of themselves and we're like, guess what? You have the power. So we are talking about those three very integral pieces. And so we'll be discussing mind games, which is pretty much all things inner critic. We'll be talking about confidence and we'll be talking about communication. So what I thought would be cool is for the audience to hear how all three of us have kind of had our own unique journey with these three different things. Like what did our self-talk look like over the last decade? How has that changed? I think that there's this misunderstanding in the personal development community that like once you learn tools, you'll never have fear again or you'll never talk shit to yourself again or something like that. So I think it'd be cool for them to hear our journeys with this. So Andrea, I'm going to throw it to you. Talk to me about what your inner critic sounded like at the beginning of getting involved in personal development? That's a question I have not thought about, to be honest with you, in so long. But if I could think about it for a second, for me, well, I think my my journey might be a little bit different and because I, I know this isn't everyone's experience, but I had a moment in my life where my life fell apart and I was like on the ground. It was my bottom and I decided I had to change or change my life. And I don't think that that, that has to be for everyone. You don't have to wait until you, your life falls apart in order to change it. I, that's what happened to me. I had always been kind of interested in personal development, but I was like, eh, you know, <laughs> I'll get around to it. And, and for me, it was, I had so much shame around where I was and what I had tolerated it. And it happened to me in my early thirties. So it was right around the time when my good friends were getting married and, or having babies. And so I was single. I was just out of two back-to-back really bad relationships. And I was so humiliated and ashamed of where I was at and just telling myself, um, you know, that I was bad at relationships. Now it's all coming back to me that I tell the story. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling myself that I was, I was hard to love. I was terrible at relationships. I should probably not be in one ever again. Also that I should never trust anyone again. So there was that too. And just a lot of comparisons to where my friends were. I made up that their life was perfect. And why couldn't I have that? What was wrong with me that made my husband go out and have an affair and choose another woman over me? What was wrong with me that I got conned by another man? And so that was just really, that was just kind of a snippet of what my negative self-talk looked like uh, 11, 12 years ago. Fuck. Yeah, those, I think it's so cool to hear varying perspectives on what this has looked like because I think you, we've all really been very candid about our stories and our journeys, but I do think that there's this thing that happens where people go, oh, you don't know, you do this for a living. Like you don't, you don't know what it's like to talk Mm -hmm. shit to yourself. And that is absolutely not true. It's just a new way of managing that 
Really? So Kira, what about you? One thing that I don't necessarily talk about that much is that I am ADHD. Mm. And but I was raised during a time where that wasn't a thing. So I was just the kid who talked a lot, right? Or I was just the kid who couldn't settle down. And there was a there was like a a, a pretty big part of my childhood where I remember my dad saying, Kira, uh-uh. Kira, uh-uh. Kira. <laughs> that was that's like what he would just say, like to everything that I did. So as I became an adult and I kept looking for jobs that I thought sounded cool versus knowing anything about like what would actually work with that. And I, I failed at them. You know, I, I, you know, both of you guys know that I'm not huge detail oriented. And just recently I visited a place to uh, possibly hold a retreat where I worked and I have such terrible memories because I kept dropping the ball and I felt like such a failure. And I'm just like, you just can't get your shit together. You cannot figure this out. You are not ever going to have a job that you are successful in. And it was really, it was really hard because every job that I did, you know, that was nine to five for me was, I mean, I would just go home and cry because it was so personally hard for me. And no matter how hard I tried, I would always miss things. And I keep putting my, I kept putting myself because I didn't have the self-knowledge and self-awareness. I kept putting myself in situations um, that just were not a good match for my personality and, and for my ADHD. So, uh, you know, that. <laughs> so that, yeah. And so then, that. well, and then if you don't have the self-knowledge, like you were saying, then you continue to gather evidence to support that same story that you're not good enough, that you aren't ever going to have your shit together. You can't hold a job down and you keep doing the same fucking cycle over and over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally feel you on that. I think for me, my self-talk was very, very enveloped by perfectionism and compare and despair, especially in my early 20s when I was kind of climbing up the corporate ladder and working as a makeup artist. I was not motivated at all by people who were in positions that I wanted to emulate. So if somebody had this incredible artistic skill or they were a higher level in the company, it was discouraging to me. I was never motivated by that because my voice would immediately say, you'll never be that good. You are not enough. That was the pervasive statement that happened over and over and over again. And then I don't talk about this much, but when when I was in high school, I had egregious skin horrible, horrible skin. And to the point where I wouldn't let anybody see me without makeup on, I would shower in the dark, wash my face in the dark, because I didn't want to get out of the shower or look at myself in the mirror at all. I There, there was that much extreme loathing. And it's really similar to kind of what you were talking about, Andrea, where it's so fucking long ago that you almost forget that that was mm-hmm. also you. You know, yeah, that that was your path. It's it's interesting. Like when you get that far out of it, it, it makes me sad to think about that. And and even just hearing your story, you know, it's like sad to think that that you actually thought that. And I I would bet that there's a lot of people listening who still, uh, who still. And I don't I don't mean to run your show, but I was gonna say like how <laughs> back off me, Owen. Am I jumping ahead? I Well, I wanted just to add, like the very first time I heard about negative self-talk was when I was sitting at the Coaches Training Institute and they, they call it the saboteur over there. And I was like, what? You mean, wait a minute. 
you mean this isn't my truth? This is, but wait, these are facts. And, and just learning how that worked that, no, this is, you know, this, this comes from, you know, X, Y, and Z, you actually can manage it. It's not about getting rid of it completely, but you can learn to management like mind blown. Oh my gosh. When did, when, that is it, like exactly what went on for me. Kara, what was your first realization? Do you remember being introduced to the inner critic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, first through, through coaching school, just doing my own self work because my brain is so constantly moving. I almost numb it out, right? Like, because there's so many things going on at all the, all, all the time, like my strategy was to just shut it down. And I still have to, and I, and I still struggle with not doing that because it's easier than all the things that are happening up there. You know, so when I found out, somebody said this once and it just like blew my mind, like, you know, if you can control your brain, it's actually the only thing we can control, right? Like how we respond to situations versus react. And, you know, I was like, oh, because we all try to control things, right? I was trying to control my friendships and my relationships and, you know, just so I wouldn't feel like a failure anymore, and mm. there's there's such a power in understanding, like, we can't control tons of things, but we can control the way we respond to situations. And I, I could get behind that, right? Like, I was kind of like, okay, that's one thing I feel like I can actually do versus all of the other things that felt overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I remember, Andrea, you talking about even, like, at the very beginning of getting into personal development. If somebody were to say to you, you can control your thoughts, something, a statement like that, you were like, yeah, I'll get fucking right on that. Like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) You know what I mean? I was married to the, I was really in that belief that my thoughts were my truth. And I think that that's the case for a lot of people. Absolutely. I remember fighting with one of my coaching instructors when he was really challenging inner critic stuff. And I was incredibly attached to this idea that I didn't know, that I don't know. I won't be able to tell if a client needs therapy or if they need coaching. And I was so committed that I didn't know. And he was like, you do, you do know. You ha-. And, and the skill we're learning essentially is intuition. Intuition. That, that mm-hmm. we do have that internal compass, but we were constantly looking outside of ourselves, right? So yeah, that's fascinating. So I'm curious from the two of you guys, how your inner critic shows up for you now, now that you do this as a profession. I I often talk about how our triggers just tend to change, you know, so whereas it maybe it used to be around relationships, or for me, it was very much wrapped up in my career or my skin. It has ebbed and flowed and changed over the years. So Kira, what, how about you? Like, where does it really show up for you now? Well, and if I can say this, that I think is really important. There's so many of the external factors I also changed, right? Mm -hmm. That were the triggers, you know? So I didn't hang out with people like, here's my requirement that don't think I'm awesome. Uh You know, I used to surround myself with super unhealthy people who would kind of like tease me or make fun of me and put me down. You know, that doesn't exist anymore. You know, um, as well as I, now that I, I'm a life coach and run this business, it's going very successfully. And it turns out that my ADHD, like I think makes me a better life coach. So I, I, I've literally created better situations. So a, I'm not triggered as much because when you're surrounded by people who put you down, like, of course you're going to be triggered. And then, you know, and then B, 
I talk back to myself, right? I talk back to my thoughts. You know, sometimes I'll just think the weirdest stuff. I'm like, you don't believe that. I love that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like you don't actually believe that. Like we have weird shit running through our brains at all times. So I actually very much have conversations like with my inner critic. And because if we just let our thoughts go without ever acknowledging them and what they're saying and sometimes writing them down, then um then they rule us, right? But I actually like look at it, talk back to it, and then move on. You know, that's that's my my you know, one of my strategies of you know, how to deal and just, it, it shows up. There's no way it's not going to show up. I'm a human, but I don't feel like it controls me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's actually two strategies, Kara. That's, that's really smart. I'm glad you brought that up about your environment and also just knowing for me, it's, it's, it's been about really getting to know what it sounds like. Like, and, and I know for everyone, it's not a constant dialogue. It's more of a feeling. So for them, it would be what are the things that you are really insecure about? What are the things that you compare yourself to other women about, et cetera, et cetera, just getting really intimate with it. And cause I always say like, you have to name it to tame it. And then also <laughs> like, and then that helps you know what your triggers are. Right. So I, I mean, I know exactly what mine are, are now. And it, for me, now that I have done this work, it is, I am very quick to hear when I'm in it. So like, like we were, we were saying uh, on my podcast this week about instead of staying there for days and days and instead of making decisions from that place of like Kira was saying, like feeling like a failure or, or whatever it is for you, I recognize it within minutes and can turn it around. You know, am I saying like positive affirmations to myself and feeling like a badass? No, I am just seeing it. It's almost like I make eye contact with it. (laughs) Like I see you over there and I see you over there. And it, and it just like takes the power away. It takes the power away and just allows me to know that I'm okay. And I'm going to, because that's what starts to happen. And I, and I, I, it's that anxiety that, you know, so many of us struggle with. It's like the thoughts start to spin and spin and spin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I am a failure, then this will happen. I mean, I used to plan my own funeral, like literally would think about my funeral based on, you know, a look someone gave me. And so I guess to sum it up, it's just really getting to know what it looks like, what that inner critic chatter looks like and knowing what my triggers are so that I can sort of like get out in front of it. Well, I think, I think that's something that all of us really talk about. And this is kind of the nature of the inner critic is that until you start questioning it and talking back, like you said, Kara, or recognizing the tone, the inflection, the verbiage, the feeling really honing in on that until you do that it's just straight up fucking true it's true that Mm -hmm. you're not enough it's true that you are unlovable it's true that you're not smart enough and if you don't learn to unpack that that will be your truth for the rest of your fucking life and the reason why that matters so much is because that thought process creates an emotional response so you feel shitty. You don't feel good. And we know that, you know, the major human drivers are pursuit of pleasure or avoidance of pain. It's extremely primitive. We just want to fucking feel good. So if we have a thought process inundated in our mind that is going on and on and on, that creates the emotions that feel awful, then you're destined for a life that feels shitty, but there's hope. (laughs) But there's (laughs) there's hope. hope. But there's you know? hope. And, wah, I mean, wah. and I really hope that that's 
you're seeing that, that we've all gone through this. This wasn't just, oh, we went to coaching school and like the clouds parted. It, that was one of the most intensely painful parts of my life ever because I was really starting to realize that what I believed to be true for my entire life wasn't. And there's a grief of that where you have to really mourn the loss of what you believed about yourself. I think for me too now still, and this is kind of what you were talking about, Andrea, my inner critic still attaches to the what ifs. And I have such Mm -hmm. a penchant for hyperbole and being so dramatic and over the top already that my mind will create these fantastic stories. And I've shared with the audience before, every time during a launch, every time I am selling a class, I hit this point middle of the launch where I'm like, nobody likes my work. I suck. I I need to go work at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. Trader, mm-hmm. The Trader Joe's face. And then Trader I Joe's place. pull myself out of it. And like you said, Andrea, your resilience is so much better. I recognize, oh, you're just in the Trader Joe's place. It's fine. You're going to pull yourself out. And one of the things that I've started telling myself, and this has been really helpful when I spin out in the what ifs, is I start going like, damn, Smitty, you're a good storyteller. Check out how creative you are. (laughs) (laughs) And I start honoring that piece of my wild imagination instead of getting mad at myself for just being fucking human. We're always going to what if. We always will. It's just a matter of how we engage with it and how we yeah shift that. And that's exactly what I'm talking about at the at the conference is, is sort of like, I feel like my workshop is, is inner critic 101. And it's not about teaching people to totally turn their thoughts around. Like I, in that workshop, I give the basics on how to listen for it, what to do when you hear it and how to start to practice self-compassion when you're ready for that. And I, I also actually talk a little bit about shame, which I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but for many people, the inner critic is shame articulated. Oh, so good. And you know what? Dreary silence. <laughs> I'm like, what? and scene. Face right? black. <laughs> that big word. Oh, she brought it up. Well, what's so great about that particular lecture uh, or workshop is that still, I mean, I've joked about this before too, like I still love hearing both of you guys speak. And I've heard them over and over and over again. And I've heard the similar concepts from other instructors and teachers. But I'll never forget, my dad told me when I was little, like the day you get too big for your britches is the day you stop learning. And that is a really sad place to be. So anytime I think that something is remedial or, oh, this is just one on or 101 or something like that, that's my clue in to go, nope, there's something you need to see here. There's something you need to hear differently. And yeah, and there's always something that you can take away. And, you know, for that reason, that whole storytelling nonsense, I love that, Kira, you covered that in your workshop all about what we create in our own mind, the storytelling. Absolutely. You know, I loved when you guys mentioned that you just figured that everything you thought was truth. That is what most people think, that there's a story that we are creating every single day and it's just truth. And I love, 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 love helping people realize it's perspectives, that everything that we do is made up from experiences that we've had, you know, um, people in our life, everything. 
And when we start realizing it's a perspective, we realize we can change our perspective. And that's so powerful. And I'm so obsessed with confirmation bias right now. That's that's what I'm obsessed with, which is this idea that if you have a belief, so we feel safe, we will go out every day and look for things that confirm that belief. Uh-huh. Right? We surround ourselves with people who believe what we believe. We put ourselves in situation. And so much the fact that we will see things that will go against that belief and we'll ignore them. We'll pretend we didn't even see them. And, you know, I'm fascinated by that because I think that, that once we start grabbing a hold and noticing those beliefs, that's where change exists. And it's, it's fascinating to me. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much good stuff with this. And the, these are the topics. These are the conversations that we have in depth at this conference. And one of the things that we've changed about this particular year is we're taking these concepts of what Andrea is talking about, what Kira is talking about, what I'm talking about. And I think on this day, I dig into all things fear and kind of the emotion behind our inner critic. And what we're taking all of that to is a Q&A session every single day where you guys can kind of say, okay, so what happens if I say this to myself around parenting? Or what do I do if my inner critic is a real person? What do I do if, and you can Mm -hmm. kind of get that specialized help that you are likely asking in your car while you're listening to the podcast all the damn time. Like, well, Amy, what about this? What and you actually have that opportunity to bring that to us and we can help you troubleshoot it and give you very tactile, tangible tools to alter that and change that. Because that's what this is really about. This is about changing those habits that aren't working. Searching out that shit, yeah. gathering that evidence to support the story you don't want to exist. Like Kara was saying, this is what we need to change. This is the, the habits we need to, to alter. Were you going to say something, Andrea? No, I just was nodding my head and thinking, what a smart podcast episode this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we are all so smart. I was get, getting into it when Kira was talking about positive psychology. I was like, yeah. Well, it's true. And that's something that we all very much value. I know we, we can have a woo-woo streak in us, but I know all three of us very much care about the science behind all of this stuff. This isn't just like, oh, we've got these good ideas, you know? This is stuff we've seen work, you know, Uh as I've said. So I want to talk a little bit about confidence. And this is another major topic that we're discussing at length at our conference in October. And I would love to just hear from you guys where confidence has shifted for you, what it used to look like or the lack of it used to look like and kind of how it manifests in your world now. So I'll throw that to you, Kira. You know, and, and I, I brought this up on Andrea's podcast, but I, so I work with single women, probably not everybody knows that, and was definitely a shit show dater before that. And I think that there was a part of me who was, who was like, I'm a really good life coach. I am great at helping women around this, but maybe this just isn't my thing. Maybe there's not going to be somebody who can quote unquote handle me. Right. You guys have felt that before. Yeah. Right? Oh, just, yeah. You know, people in my life too. Right. Right. Cause I'm a little bit of a handful and, you know, through like walking my talk through like really understanding what I teach and preach. When I met Danny, who's my boyfriend now, I was able to change that around. T- 
talk to myself differently. And, you know, I just remember when we first moved in together, I kept looking at him. I'm like, oh my God, we're doing this. (laughs) This is totally happening right now. And it's going really, really well. And it still is, you know? And I think that for a long time, I, I, I really said, you know, relationships are for other people and they may just not be for me. And that's okay. I was okay with it. But there's something very exciting around building confidence around this and knowing I can do it and knowing that what we have created uh, really, really works. So, you know, I, I just, you know, even in the my own realm of, of what I teach and preach every day, I, I was lacking confidence and was able to swing it around through just, you know, once again, strategies and tools and conversations, just so much communication in this house. Oh my gosh. And you know what? Something that you're really pointing to is that this is a journey and it's practicing the same fucking thing over and over and over again. The vulnerability with him, it's not like you exercise vulnerability and now, sweet, you're cured and you can always be vulnerable and it's always easy. That's not how it works. It's that you have to Speak to yourself kindly over and over again. You have to behave courageously and vulnerability, vulnerable over and over again. And that is really what all of us, all of our work is designed to teach people. How can you cement this? How can you make this concrete so that it becomes your new norm? Because you didn't, you didn't step into that confidence just boom like that. It was by repetition over and right. over again, Right. Proving it to myself over and over and over again, right? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely, Amy. How about you, Andrea? For me, it was, I, I don't, you know, people that don't know, I was a love addict from probably age 16 or 17 up until I found out about it and started to heal it (laughs) up until I was about 31. I esteemed myself through other people's eyes, more specifically through whomever I was chasing at the moment, whoever I was in a quote unquote relationship with. And as long as I was being paid attention to, and again, air quotes, loved, um, adored by someone else, even if it was just for five minutes, then I felt confident about myself. So it was this constant roller coaster of, of, of like really high highs and crashing lows, which is common for love addicts. And so emotionally I was a wreck and blamed everyone else. And I'm like, well, if you would just love me the way I need to be loved, <laughs> then we would all be fine. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible way to live. It's, it's a horrible, and, and to put that on someone else, like no one filled out a job application to be my confidence, superhuman. And I, I've done a lot of work around it. And, and then it was, uh, I'm, I'm over here just like reeling from telling that story. So what was the second part of the question? (laughs) (laughs) Well, just how do you, how do you feel like confidence shows up in your world now? Oh, I, a few things. I love what you two were just talking about, about that. For me, confidence is a blend of, of courage and like doing courageous acts over and over again. I don't think that we are born with confidence. I don't think we can read about confidence. For me, confidence has come with, with actually doing things. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more and having them not always work out. I'm not saying it always works out, but knowing that I'm okay on the other end and, and you know, and, and confidence has a lot to do with worthiness, but you know, where a lot of my confidence came from too, was working on, on what I half jokingly describe as unsexy is values. And that's, that's what I talk about in the second day of the conference is when, cause when you know what is important about the way that you live your life 
and you know what that actually looks like. So it's not just about professing like, oh, my faith and, um, you know, and giving back. Those are my values. Okay. It's like, what does that actually look like? And are you doing those things in your life? When, when you know what that is, then you start to really understand what your identity is. And then you can create behaviors and make decisions from that place. That to me has built confidence. Are they always easy things? No. Cause when you have a value around courage, what that usually looks like is also having hard conversations and setting boundaries. But to me that has aided hugely in my own confidence. And that is something that I did not know before doing this work. Oh my gosh. Yes. I could, I could not agree with you more that first of all, nobody wants to hear that the answers are values and, boring. <laughs> and second, <laughs> second of all, it changes everything because it's an operating system. We think that all of our happiness is outside of ourselves, right? It's when we get the job. It's when we make partner. It's when we have the baby, buy the house, all those things we think. Then I will magically have this utopian happiness. And as most of us see, as the three of us see all the time, people who've gotten to that point and they're like, what the fuck? Is there anything else? Is this, is this all there is? Is this really what I've worked my entire life for? And the deal with values is it gets you honed in on those components in your world that actually evoke happiness. But when the fuck are we ever taught that? Nobody teaches us to operate from that place. And that's why I love this workshop that you do, Andrea. It's so, so incredibly important. In fact, I think a handful of years ago now, it was probably five or six years ago, my baby brother, who's one of my best friends, came to me and said, what do you really think the key to happiness is? And I said, I, this might sound really woo-woo, but I really, truly think the key to happiness is knowing what you value and living in accordance with those values. And that's what you were mm -hmm. pointing to, Andrea, is like sometimes we say, I value courage or I value honesty, but we fucking lie all the time because we're people pleasers. Or right. Well, and I think that like once you nail down what your values are, then comes the ancillary things. It's like if you look at values as like the umbrella and then underneath that, like then you'll discover your people pleasing behaviors. Then you'll discover your worthiness crap. Then you'll discover your self-sabotaging behaviors. Like, but I think that really, again, the foundation or the umbrella, whatever you want to call it, that all stems from your values, whether you are honoring them or not. And most people have never done that work. Oh no. I know I hadn't before I started this journey. I was like, oh, don't don't people do that in like corporate stuff? Right, right. Is that <laughs> like a mission <laughs> statement? I know have have either of you guys ever had somebody be like, I really need you to help me work on my values? <laughs> yeah, that's what I sell on my website. People are flocking to throw money at that. <laughs> you know what the best the best things I've heard about this, and I don't know who said it, is that you know, happiness is what you think, what you say, and what you do all in unity. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So that you can, I, I mean, think about the confidence you build when all three of those things are happening. You know, think about, you know, how you feel about yourself in life when all three of those things are happening. It's, it's an incredible thought. Well, I was just thinking yeah. how the three of us even just said, very flippantly, but totally seriously, like we're really smart. Like <laughs> mm -hmm. that's confidence manifested. Like we speak to ourselves like that all the time. Yeah. And I I've told my audience many times that I, I have a huge mirror in my office and I look over and see myself and I'm like a hot mess 
most of the time, but I will often say, I love that girl. Like I genuinely have cultivated this place where I love who I am. I like who I am. And the confidence that you get from altering that relationship with yourself is massive. And the reason why that fucking matters is that means that you can go start that business that you really want to start. That means you can break out of that relationship or that job that's super toxic, that you can start that nonprofit, that you can get back into the dating scene and know that you're fucking worthy of love. That's why this matters. It's not like, let's just be confident for the fuck of it. No, it's so you can have the shit in your life that you want to have. I'm getting worked up because mm-hmm. it's trendy. Yeah, it's a thing. I think I read it in Cosmo. I yes, I it. oh my god. Yeah. So the final topic that we're discussing at the conference is communication, and you know this is my wheelhouse because I love, love, love this stuff. And I know Carrie, you talk about this a lot in your work too. But I would, I'm just curious from the two of you. I know that even our communication as friends, as business partners has totally changed over the years. The more we've become more skilled at speaking up for ourselves and addressing things. I would love to know the biggest shift you've had in your own life as it relates to communication. Let me start with you, Kara. The funny thing is, is that anybody who met me kind of like, you know, the, the before coaching, so BC, uh, before coaching (laughs) coaching school, (laughs) would say that I was really outspoken, right? I mean, you know, that's never been, I've never been quiet. I've always been a little bossy, you know, they would never say that I was not outspoken. But the thing is, is that I didn't know my truth, you know, and I certainly did not have the skill set to stick up for myself, to put myself out there in positive ways, you know, just learning to me, communication is, is such a tool, right? It's such a strategy that having those tools now to be able to have that tough conversation, you know, with Danny, my boyfriend, or even a client, it's life-changing, right? Like the confidence that's inside work, but having that tool and strategy, I, I mean, has absolutely changed my life because like I said, I would have never thought I was a people pleaser, but I certainly didn't speak up. I certainly, I, I, I kind of went to the, Hey, I'm okay over here. Don't worry about me. That's fine. I'm cool. And I wasn't right. I wasn't right. I've even seen over the course of the last handful of years of our friendship developing, you getting more solid footing in that. And I think that probably has a lot to do with flexing that muscle with Danny over and over again. And yeah. And I've definitely seen Andrea and I, our, our relationship change in that communication arena too. Just feel really blessed, you guys. Hashtag blessed. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag live a life you love. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Hashtag good vibes only. That is my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> Hashtag. I think you can probably do this for five minutes. Go ahead. Can't stop. Won't stop. Okay. Andrea, what about you? What's what's shifted for you in the area of communication? What hasn't shifted for me in the area of communication? I Oh my God, if you guys would have known me. Okay, you know what? You know what happens to me? I don't know if I've told either of you this, but I get triggered when I watch a movie and there's someone fighting and it reminds me of how I used to act. So there's there's two particular movies. Um, one is the what if what was that Yaya Sisterhood? I love it. And the Sandra Sandra Bullock's character 
has a, um, interesting relationship with her. I can't, I don't know if it's her boyfriend or her husband. And there's one point where she's on the phone with him and she's totally screaming at him and she hangs up. And I watched that and I was like, I, it was like watching a movie of my old self. And then in the movie, the breakup with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston in the beginning where they're fighting about the lemons and, and, she, and he's like, she's like, I just want you to want to help. And they're having this argument. And I'm like, like, it's painful to watch female <laughs> actresses act out my former life. And for me, it was a lot of it had to do with, I was raised in a family where we just didn't ever talk about the hard stuff. And I also never saw my parents fight. So I didn't know to how, how to have hard conversations. I didn't know how to express what I wanted and needed. I didn't know what it looked like in a grown up. And I mean, who does? Like, <laughs> And so when I got into a relationship, we were, we, neither of us were well. And the way that we only, and I'm telling the story because I think a lot of people can relate to it. The way that we got each other's attention was by fighting and manipulating each other with our emotions. So I learned how to do that very easily. There wow. was also a lot of gaslighting in that relationship on both of our parts. Um, I hate to sound childish, but he started it and <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I did it back. And it was, you know, when this whole election happened and, and that topic was kind of floating around a lot and I was reading about it and I was like, Oh my God, that was like the basis of our relationship. And I did it back. And so I talked to some, some smart people around it about it. And, and they were like, that is so common because it's, you don't know what else to do. And, you know, having a strong personality, I, I, I was a master at manipulating and I was a master of spinning things around. And so, you know, it's painful for me to tell that story, but it, it's, it's, it was my reality. And I did not all that to say I was shitty at communicating. <laughs> you know, it's so I didn't talk about it at all, or you got a fucking mouthful. And I was, I was mean. I knew how to, you know, in, in, in the shame work I do, we call it fighting shame with shame. I was, I wasn't so much a people pleaser. I wasn't so much somebody that didn't, you know, that kept my mouth closed. I, you were going to hear about it and it wasn't nice and it was pretty ugly. And so now sometimes I am faced with the option to do that. And it just is like, you know, Amy, you were saying like, it's physically painful for you. Like when you know you have to have a hard conversation, you're just like, oh God, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Like for me, it's, I feel that way when I think about and flash back on how I used to communicate. And it is just, it's not who I was really inherently. So it was completely going against my authentic self. I just didn't know any other way. But to be really honest, my downfall now is if I don't know how to say it really well and articulate it so beautifully. And that's, to be honest with you, like it's, it's tricky being in a friendship where your best friend is really, really good at it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to get this wrong. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be as good at this as Amy. But I, if I, if I feel like I can't say it really, really well, I'm most likely going to sit on it for a long time. And, but yeah, I feel like I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I've changed a lot, period. You, you've changed a <laughs> lot. Well, you know, and we've had, we've had interesting situations with, Andrea and I do projects together, the two of us, and then the three of us do projects together annually. And shit goes down sometimes, you know, and we have to talk about things being fair or not feeling really good. And I feel in particular like knowing you and knowing how you used to operate, I feel like you hang in there and you don't run. And this is probably you too, Kara, with what you were saying about just, oh, I'm chill, I'm chill. Like, no, no, just don't rock the boat. Don't speak up. 
I feel like both of you have looked at shit that was really challenging and didn't run away. And I really think our partnership is stronger. I think our friendships are stronger. And it's what most people will not do because it's fucking uncomfortable right. and it's hard. But the They'd intimacy. rather get out of the friendship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And or relationship. What I've noticed too is that the more I'm able to do that with the two of you, with my husband, with, you know, close friends, the more intimacy I create in those relationships. And that's, I'm sure you see that all the time, Kara. Like, that's what we want. We want this connected closeness, but then we're not really willing to say what needs to be said to get to that place. And that's why I love what you talk about a lot at the conference is, you know, the way we've learned to love and the habits that we've fallen into around lack of vulnerability and putting your walls up. And yeah, just, I fucking love you too. And I mean, I should spend the last 15 minutes validating the shit out of each other. (laughs) Done. (laughs) I just think it's amazing though, that what we all talked about was a questioning like our self-worth, right? And then our communication styles or our broken communication styles came out in different ways, right? So Andrea, you're like, I would gaslight people. I would like yell at them. I wasn't nice. Me, I would go into like, I'm cool girl, right? Like, Mm -hmm. don't worry about me. I'm okay over here. You know, and I kind of would like shut down a little bit and I'd just be like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. And, and, you know, and would not like necessarily let stuff eat at me because I just wasn't, but I would just like ignore it, right? Because that's my, that's my go-to. And, you know, they're all coming from the same place, but it's coming out a different way. And it's just, yeah. it's interesting. It's it's still that place of hurt and that place of fear right. and and sometimes loneliness, which which we all have. And and in the talk that, in the workshop that I give on that day, it's all about, because I know that, that Amy and Kara talk about relationships a lot. And I was like, I have to bring the topic of friendships yep. because it's been such a learning curve for me and one that I feel is under, I actually th- think it's talked about enough in personal development circles and just like, how do we talk to our female friends? And, and, and many, many women say like, I have my female friends, but we only go like to a certain level, you know, or, or sometimes they do have these really great friendships. Sometimes they don't at all. And so I talk about that, about like, what do we do, you know, about being vulnerable, about trust? And what does that actually look like? I know for so many women, they get into these friendships and they, they start to trust somebody. And then that friend does one thing to, you know, betray them or hurt them. And they throw it all out the window. You know, it's like, I can't be your friend anymore. And, and so it's about forgiveness and giving second chances and having those hard conversations. Yeah. I mean, the things that we do, it's incredible to me, especially working with single women, the things that we will we will do to not have tough conversations, right? Yeah. Including having sex with somebody we don't want to have sex with yet, including, you know what I mean? Like there are things physically and emotionally that are not awesome that we do just to not have a tough conversation. It's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty crazy. Oh my gosh. It's true. In fact, I was, I think I was reading in Psychology Today magazine, and they were talking about did that sound smart? I hope so. It did. Um, and I, I smiled. I wish you could have seen my I face. Could I could hear it. Like, <laughs> so, fancy. Uh, so fancy. But there was uh, some psychologists talking about how they are still mesmerized by the amount of pain that human beings are willing to sustain before they make change. And I think that we see that all the time. I mean, think about it from oh, a, yeah. 
physical level, we see that how many people will not go to the chiropractor, will not go to the doctor, even though they know it's likely that they will get some kind of remedy. We will sustain pain. And so we will not speak up to the partner we know we shouldn't be sleeping with, or we won't talk to the overbearing mother-in-law or confront the best friend about something that was hurtful. And this is something that we've all come through and really honed that skill. And so I'm really thrilled to have have this as one of the main topics because I always felt this way, the same way, Andrea, you had talked about values. I felt like that about communication. Like communication sounds lame, but it's everything. It really, truly is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I walk through on this day is, is a kind of seven-step process to broaching challenging conversations so that you walk away feeling fucking proud of yourself no matter what the outcome is and not be so weighed heavily in the response that you receive. I think we have a pretty fucking dope ass program that we put on. Uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> and we're funny. You know, and, and I just want to reiterate that I think we've all read incredible books, right? We all listened to good podcasts that make us think, you know, read incredible articles, all of those kind of things. But to me, there is so much power of getting there in real life. You cannot ignore the work if you Mm -hmm. come, right? It's impossible. And being able to do that and be surrounded by other women who are doing the same thing. I mean, it's it's an incredible life-changing experience. It really is. Oh, it's so good. There Not really is something to say about coming in person. Like you can't skip calls. Like you're there, you're doing it. It's, it's a big deal. I mean, not to mention knowing that you're not alone, you know, and something, I, I mean, we all have our own unique experiences, but a lot of times we're still feeling that same feeling of not enoughness or lack of forgiveness or challenging with, you know, friendships or relationships. And I I like to always joke that the intimacy that's created with these sorts of events is so instant because we're talking about deep shit. It's not like this is a convention on fucking knitting, you know, where you can have like superficial conversations. This is like insta deep. And that can be really uniting, especially if you're not surrounded by really positive people in your world or you're not married to somebody really positive, you know, like what Kira was talking about at the top of our conversation, really being clear about who you're surrounding yourself with is huge. And it's an act of bravery, just putting yourself out there. So if you've enjoyed this hour-long commercial for hours... <laughs> That's really what it is. <laughs> no, it's a, I, I think it's important that people know what the fuck it even is and what we're talking mm-hmm. about and the change right. that's possible than what Definitely. we've done. Well, we want, we really want people to feel good about their decision. We don't want people to be on the fence. And I mean, that's why we wanted to do this, like really talk about the topics. Completely, completely. And Amy, since we're on the uh, hour long commercial, could you please tell everybody the low, low price? (laughs) For the low, low price of $647. That's it for a three plus day conference with us. We have a little taco get together we're doing the day before And until August 20th, you can still get the $50 savings because the price will jump. And you can also break that up into a two payment plan if you prefer that are 30 days apart. So you can give yourself a nice, you know, window of time to, to pay for that. And then you get to decide if you want to stay at the hotel, which I highly suggest that you do because it's dope and there's free s'mores. Free s'mores. So, I mean, hello. 
but you can make it as ritzy of an event as you want, or you can make it as chill of an event as you want. They allow up to four people to room together, so you can bring all your besties. And they're really, it's really designed to create whatever type of experience you're up for or whatever financial place that you're in. And duh, you need to meet us in real life because we're amazing and you're amazing. Triple T Conference. Dot com. Obviously, it'll be in the show notes, and you're going to see us blasting about it all over Insta and Facebook, so get ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to mention really quick, this isn't going to be like this gigantic like 7,000 people at a stadium at a conference where you're not even going to be able to come up and talk to us and, no. and have real conversations with, with the three of us, and you absolutely will be able to do that. And, you, you know, and it, it's also not like, you know, don't get too close to us. We're not going to have bodyguards. You know, it's none Ew. of that bullshit. It's like, we are going to squeeze you and hug you. And yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite part. I, I get, oh my gosh. This is my favorite. Amy will cry. I will cry a lot. Just so you know. Yeah. And <laughs> this is like 75 she tissues. Will. Yeah. It's a mess. She absolutely will. It's a fucking mess. All right. Well, on that note, thank you guys so very, very much for, for coming and hanging out It it selfishly has been such a blast. I hope everybody is really enjoying the perspective from the two of you and um, just love you guys to pieces and can't wait to party at the beach in October, man. It's going to be great. Whoop, whoop. All right, guys. So we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Andrea and Gura out. Oh.